This week, what is the future of RV power looking like? We're talking solar and batteries with Andrew Hewitt of Oz X Corp. I talked about them in the past. I got to meet them at the annual RV manufacturer show, and I was very excited about what they offered, and I'm so happy to have Andrew on the show. Plus, it's Thanksgiving, and this is our thankful episode. This is RV Miles. This winter, L.L. Bean wants to help you get outfitted for all that's out there with tips and advice for heading outdoors and exploring all the possibilities of the season. The best way to make your time outside comfortable in winter is to learn how to layer properly. That's as easy as one, two, three. First, pick a base layer that keeps your skin dry and wicks moisture. Second, add an insulating middle layer that keeps heat in. Third, cover it all with a water and wind resistant outer layer that keeps the winter weather out. For more fun ideas, easy how-tos, and inspiring stories, visit llbean.com guide. Welcome to episode number 258 of RV Miles. I am Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our three boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, have been crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip since 2016. Here at RV Miles, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from industry news to travel destinations, our national parks, and a whole lot more. This episode, as I mentioned, we're talking with Andrew Hewitt of Oz X Corp, which is... Uh, they're, they're manufacturing a, a total system, a total electrical system to completely electrify trailers and motorhomes. Not not driving, um, so not turning a, a, a motorhome into an electric motorhome, but uh, your your air conditioning, your uh, your stovetop, all that sort of stuff, and really doing it in a smart, efficient way that is easy for manufacturers to put in. But Andrew, uh, we talk about their product, of course, a bit, but he's also talking to us about the future of RV energy, and uh, it's very exciting stuff. So stick around for that. But first, this is uh, this is Thanksgiving week, and this is our annual thanks thankful episode where we <laughs> one of our favorite our kids favorite things believe it or not our kids especially our oldest jack they they are those kids that really love at thanksgiving to go around the table and be like this is what i'm i'm thankful for this year uh they make sure that we don't forget it so uh we like to do that a bit here and i if you don't mind i would like to kick it off oh, um, boy. well with uh with <laughs> the kindness of strangers uh essentially uh we had the wildest experience recently so this uh, we were camping at the oliver lee state park in almogordo new mexico right and we recorded several videos and stuff and i i was editing outside and apparently i dropped a memory card for the camera on the ground mm -hmm. and the couple that came in the site after us not only found it, but had the ability to put it in a computer and see what was on it. <laughs> and it was a couple episodes of this podcast, actually, that were on it. And they messaged me on Facebook or Instagram and said, we have, we found this memory card, believe it or not, this is going to sound weird, but we pulled into the site after you and we found this memory card that has your face on it. Uh, <laughs> we'd be happy to get it back to you somehow. Uh and it turned out we were heading to Tucson and they were heading to Tucson and we were going to meet up and they were going to hand it over because these things are like $60. Uh, it's, it, it's frustrating how expensive memory cards are. So uh, that it turned out I, I, I forgot and, and didn't reconnect with them while we were in Tucson. So uh, it, weird enough that somebody found the memory card and was able to message me about it. Also, that uh, a couple at that Tucson campground, as we talked about last week, was a couple that we had saw at, at the City of Rocks campground. But we leave the Tucson KOA. Mm -hmm. And we head to a harvest host for one night in Kingman, Arizona. It was the uh, Desert, Desert Diamond, Diamond Distillery. Distillery. Great harvest host stop. 
by the way, mm-hmm. you will not leave there uh, without spending <laughs> a decent amount of cash uh, unless you're not into uh, unless rum is not your <laughs> they're thing. known for the rums they so. they make uh, whiskeys as well but they're known for their rums so we're sitting inside the distillery and a guy walks up to us with a memory card in his hand <laughs> and hands it to me and is like this is really weird <laughs> yeah. but I think this is yours how crazy is that the one I mean so this harvest host, maybe there were four or five RVs staying there that night. There were five of us, um, yeah. Including us and, and our friends. How crazy that one night harvest mm-hmm. host stop, the same couple that found that memory card <laughs> was also staying at that harvest host on the same night. And they kept it and handed it over. It was shocking. I mean, it and- was Shocking. And they happened to come into the place while we were in there. They might not have, you know, we might not have even seen each other, you know? Well, in in all fairness, we were in there for a very long time. (laughs) (laughs) We did we did a we did a a couple tasting flights. It was We weren't just in that distillery for five minutes. Uh, The gentleman that runs the place was awesome. And they were very comfortable with you bringing in food on that particular day because he was short staffed. So they weren't doing food offerings. So we were able to, they had us go to a table. We brought in some lunch. We did a couple of tastings, had some cocktails, played cards with our friends. The kids were in and out too. I mean, it was very lovely and chill and just really wonderful sort of like community event. Like other harvest hosts, you know, were coming in and we were chatting. And so we weren't just in there for five minutes and they spotted us. We'd been there for a a while. That's true. It would be Uh, hard to miss us if you came in at any point in the evening. Yes. We pretty much closed the place down. In general, just the, the kindness of, of strangers in the RV community so often, you know, you'll see somebody who is having a problem with uh, getting a slide in at a campground and there are others that are nearby willing to help. And uh, that look, there are all types of folks that do this. So there there are some grumps and cranks as well, but it is so great that there, uh, that when you arrive at a campground, you can count on, the fact that there's probably somebody there that can help you if you need help. And I just love that about this lifestyle. Also, the world is a lot smaller than we think. We've learned that time and time again over the course of this year when we keep seeing people in campgrounds that we've seen before. Especially this time of the year when you're in the Southwest and West, <laughs> where a lot of us are yeah. headed in order to stay away from the cold. Yeah. All right, so my turn. I think sure. we're going to do two each. Yeah. Let's see how this goes unless we talk too long and then maybe we'll just do one. So mine this time around is I am thankful for the continued health of our family. And I am incredibly thankful for the medical team at Lurie Children's Hospital in Chicago. They have absolutely revolutionized Henry's care for us this year. And this is the very first time that I have felt in a long time that our son is on his way to a very healthy and productive life where this is uh, what he's dealing with is not going to own him forever. And that kind of hope is um, truly like something that you can't put into words. Like, I just don't know how to express it. So I just want to say I am thankful for all of our essential workers. I'm thankful for everyone in the medical field. I am particularly thankful for Henry's team over at Lurie Children's Hospital in Chicago, um, not only for the care that they are giving him, but for the support that they are giving us towards the lifestyle that we lead. And it hasn't always felt that way um, in the past. Yeah. And we haven't always felt supported. It has sort of felt the opposite. Like it is our fault in some cases that he, you know, these are the struggles that he has. Um, And so that is uh, top of mind when I was thinking about the things that I was thankful for in the year 2022, continued health and an incredible medical team. Top of the list. 
Okay. All right. What's your second one? My second one is something I never thought I would say. And I think I might might have said this last year or the year before too. But it's still something I never thought I would say. Uh, but traveling with other people. Oh, you stole mine. That's I knew, not I knew, fair. I knew you were going to say that. Oh, that's why uh, I should have gone first. But, but, Darn hey, it. You had an option. You could have you said but that. I, so, I, I, you know, I never there, – there are so many – folks out there, especially full-time families that travel, they caravan, they follow each other, they go uh, from campground to campground together. And I always thought that was weird, <laughs> something that I would never really be interested in doing. You are, you are uh, such an introverted person. That, and, then, yes. we, and then, you know, w- when the pandemic hit, we, we met a family that we traveled with extensively through that time. Um, we've since separated from them, but have been able to go back and see them mm-hmm. recently, which was fantastic. And over the course of the past year, we've been extensively traveling with uh, another family who we will be with for up until at least uh, the end of next summer. And yeah. uh, they're they're all wonderful people. They have kids that get along with our kids and they can play together. And uh, again, it's like a community of helpfulness uh, where we can help each other out we can explore together we can show each other new things and uh i've just been so happy to be uh to be able to travel with them because it does get uh, a little lonely sometimes traveling full-time as just your family you do want to have interactions with other people and uh you want to have good ones <laughs> and uh it, it's it's nice to be able to count on that yeah and i will say and i think uh, we were talking about this at the distillery on saturday night and i think jamie put it best and it really struck what you know really stuck with me is that she said it's the family you get to pick yeah and that, you know, we love our family, don't get us wrong, but there is something really magical about forming connections with people that just so happen to come through your path and through, you know, whatever circumstances you all are able to get to know each other and then really form an incredible bond. And that's special. It's not for everybody, but you know it when you know it. Like, you know when you meet those people and you just know it. Yeah. And I have to say, I am so excited for everything that is coming in the next year. I just, I'm bursting. Some cool stuff coming up. I'm bursting and we cannot talk about it yet. <laughs> but hopefully like very we do soon. very soon. And hopefully like we do every year towards the end of a year, we always kind of look forward to the coming year. We talk about like what we have planned. That's kind of, uh, if all the pieces can fall into place, that's when we get to talk about it and then hopefully start getting some much needed recommendations from all of you wonderful people out there. All right. We can kind of call that a joint one if you want. No, 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 uh, no. There, I, you got another one? I got another one I, if you want. I, I have another one. Okay. And this is, I am thankful that this year, and we'll continue this theme of family, that I am thankful this year that uh, our family and you and the kids uh, have really supported and embraced what was my need to stay West this year for the holidays, because I know what that asked of everybody. And I needed this, and they've talked about this. I, um, I needed a break from driving back to the Midwest and hauling that rig back up there and going through the motions of what all that entails for the holiday season, camping in, you know, extreme cold, below freezing, moving out of the rig for long periods of time, just the constant go, go, go. Yeah. Uh, Listen, I hate moving out of the RV. I know you do. I know. I know (laughs) you do. And I love the West. And, uh, but I really, I do feel that I was, I was heard. Like you, you really listened to me. And you heard what I was saying and our family did as well. And no one has ever, you know, made us feel guilty because I know it's so much to, you know, ask the grandparents to not see the grandkids because it's not very easy for them to travel to us, just like it's not easy for us to get back there. There's a lot of factors and that come into play. So unfortunately, we're not going to see everyone over the holiday season. They're just not able to come and meet us in the West. Um, It will give us an opportunity, though, to see my brother, who we have not been able to spend a Christmas with in a very long time because he lives in the L.A. area. So I just I'm just really thankful that uh, we could do this and that 
everyone that it kind of impacts um, is finding uh, inside our little small family here is really loving it and embracing it and enjoying these nice warm temps and being out in this part of the country. But then all of our really beautiful family back home is not making me feel like a doofus, mean, Scrooge for, you know, keeping us all out this way. All right. What's your next one? So my next one is our home. Uh, Our Sabre 37 FLL has been uh, just great for us over a little more than a year now. Um, And our our friends just bought an airstream, which is wonderful, and it's it's it, it's so beautiful. It is is very beautiful, and they've moved from their uh, their thirty eight foot fifth wheel, thirty six foot, I'm not sure, into the airstream, and we've been watching them go through that process. And, uh, and we it, should also it, say we've been helping. We haven't it, just yes. been standing at the window. <laughs> Like, wow, that looks difficult over there. <laughs> and um, it's, it, it, believe me, love it. Uh, but also, when I come back in here and look at the Sabre, I just remember, like, how great this setup is for our family, which is a little bit bigger than theirs, to have a family of five with kids each have a sleeping position mm-hmm. and um, where we have this big open space in the front where we can hang out this has just been a great home for us for this point in our lives it might not always be that way uh, but it has been Ooh. until now <laughs> all right i'm gonna give one last one and then we are gonna take a break and as we do every year i think it goes without saying how incredibly thankful we are for you the rv miles community and how every single year you embrace our quirks you embrace our lack of uh schedule and you embrace um the different things that we try and that you just embrace us for who we are. And in turn, we hope that we are able to serve and provide um, content or just enjoyment that keeps you coming back. And I have to say that this year, it just it felt like things at RV Miles really just blossomed into what we have always wanted it to be. And because of that, Now we are going to have these opportunities where more RV consumer driven content is really going to kind of get to come front and center in what we do in 2023. And we're going to be able to just make good on some things we've had sitting on the back burner for so, so long. And we could never do that without all of you. The fact that every single week you allow us into your homes, you allow us to share a little part of our lives and that you care about us and you care about our children is just really, really special. So we are so thankful for you and uh, everything that you have given us in 2022. We also couldn't do it without the support of our sponsors and without you being there to listen to their message. And we're going to do do that right now. So let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk with Andrew Hewitt of Oz X Corp about the electrification of RVs. Be right back. Be right back. Chances are you've seen them on the road. That's because Blue Ox designs and manufactures the best towing products in the industry. Just look around, you'll find them on highways and campgrounds and anywhere you find people traveling in the great outdoors. Award-winning tow bars, base plates, and brakes, a full line of weight distributing hitches, adjustable ball mounts, and a new line of fifth wheel hitches. With Blue Ox, towing doesn't have to be a drag. To learn more about how Blue Ox can make your travel adventures even more stress-free, visit blueox.com. This episode is supported by ParkWolf, the ultimate app for visiting U.S. national parks. With ParkWolf, you can view upcoming places and amenities as you drive through the park, locate the nearest gas, food, bathrooms, and pullover points. ParkWolf's wildlife maps show you the best times and places to see or avoid wildlife along with a feed of the latest wildlife sighting photos from the parks. ParkWolf even makes it possible for you to view your live location and direction on official park maps while staying up to date on current NPS alerts and advisories. ParkWolf keeps working even if you lose service. To learn more, download the ParkWolf app for iPhone free from the Apple App Store today. 
My guest today is Andrew Hewitt, who is from OZX Corp or OzX Corp, as they're referred to in Australia, which is a company that is looking to bring trailer specifically electrification to the states. We talk a lot about who's going to bring the first uh, electric motor home to the market. Um, and maybe that's a little further down the future than what can already happen with with trailers, which are 90% of of the US RV market out there. And I had the, the pleasure of getting an overview of their products at the um, RV industry open house back in September. And they've developed a really great system for manufacturers to drop and play into RVs and, and really turn them into electric beasts that can do pretty much everything electrically. So Andrew, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Let's start off with talking about the Australian market for RVs, which is a little bit different than the U.S. It's it's a there's a lot more wide open space there. Everything seems a little bit more rugged. I think you know from this side of the world. Um, why is off gridding so big there, and and why has all electric been able to take off? Yeah, thanks, Jason. I think. Um, all electric in, in Australia has certainly uh, taken off, uh, really, because the you know the the, the, the mainland of the of Australia is you know practically speaking the same size as the United States, but with only twenty four million people uh, inhabitants, and so it's a very vast open space. It's uh, you know there's you know a hundred miles where you won't see another person anywhere, uh, and the reality is is that um, you know the infrastructure is is a, is far less uh, more sophisticated than it would be in the US. So off-gridding and being off-grid is just part of travelling around Australia. Uh, it's also a reality in that there's so much to see uh, around Australia that you you need to be practically off-grid. And so there's always been a big push, uh, you know, historically for, for many years to always equip your travel trailer uh, and RV, a motorised RV, with, you know, what would be the leading um, power systems that get you off the grid, um, many water tanks, uh, spare tyres, uh, like um, super equipped four drives and pick up pick up utes. Uh, you know it, the Australian landscape has sort of demanded that if you want to explore, you you need to be a lot more robust uh, and you need to be a lot more off grid. And that's that's you know the off grid um, community here is sixty percent of all sales uh, in Australia. So you know I think the US might be significantly less, or it is significantly less, but sixty percent of all new uh, travel trailers uh, in in Australia are, are, um, are, are off road, off grid. I think one of the things that's exciting a lot of people that might not have been interested in the U.S. before is now there has there's been so much investment going into campgrounds and RV parks over this big boom that we've had in the last couple of years, and unfortunately, a lot of that investment is just taking old campgrounds and making them fancier and putting um, water parks and and zip lines in and and that's great for those people that want that but as it gets harder and harder to get a campsite people are more excited about the ability to sort of camp wherever they want to camp so in the past that has always been traditionally done with fossil fuels for the most part um if you want to heat you use propane uh if you want to electricity you might run a generator um, so you all have been able uh, to start really transforming that aspect of the off-grid experience, right? Yeah, that's right. So it's sort of, you know, as a, a travel trailer kind of guy myself, you know, I've traveled all around uh, the mainland US, uh, mainland Australia, that is. Uh, US is next. <laughs> uh, but mainland, uh, mainland Australia is that... Um, you know, it, it's really, really difficult to find propane sometimes. And if you don't manage all your assets carefully, um, you know, you might run out of propane, you run out of hot water, and you could be driving, again, another 100 miles to have a shower, um, or you just go and have a cold shower. And I think what it is, is that, is that there's, a, there's a big picture there in that, you're right, the, the caravan parks have always been there to offer amenities, uh, whether it's the US or Australia, they've got amenities, they've got great showers, they've got great, great pools. Uh, and also great culture, right? And I think people will never stop going to caravan parks. Uh, certainly, there's a uh, an overbooked demand of caravan parks. That is, I wouldn't say driving people away, but it's giving people the opportunity to rethink what caravanning and camping is. 
And I think also that when you're off grid and, you, and you're, you're, you know, you're out in the bush or you're out with nature, that's actually what you're trying to achieve. You're trying to disconnect from the artificial and you're trying to place yourself into the, the surreal, the, the, the real part of nature. And I think a big part of that is, is that, um, uh, again, caravan parks are an amazing place and you'll, you'll always bounce through them. But the ability to get off grid and to electrify and run from nature is ultimately sort of the, you know, the, 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 I think the goal when you're out, out boondocking or out dry camping is that you're, you know, you're able to have a hot shower that's made from the sun. You're able to not worry about propane. You're able to disconnect if you want to, or if you want to, you can book a caravan park. The, the choice will be yours when you're electrified, but when you're connected to the fossil fuel system, uh, you know, you have to go back and get fossil fuels. So it's, you know, for, for me as an, as an RV and as a camper, this has never been about um, trying to get away from caravan parks. They're amazing places and the culture and the people you meet there are absolutely amazing. It's, it's, it's a fundamental part of, of traveling. But the disconnection allows you to make that choice and make that choice in not a skimpy way, but actually make it th- so you can enjoy the uh, conveniences uh, being off grid. So this isn't really about um, the world moving towards electrification uh, for vehicles because of uh, because of lack of energy uh, resources and for political reasons and and all of those things. It's more about really uh, doing something that works better. Yeah, look, there, there, there's there's probably ten inputs. And we can all choose. There's all no, there's CO two savings. There's disconnection from fossil fuels. There's the ability to make uh, decisions to go remote. I think the reality is, is that whatever we do in the RV sector is always always caught up in the in the sandstorm of automotive. The reality is, our sector, even though it's we, we consider it big, the reality is is that uh, we always follow suit behind automotive. You know, ten plus years, uh, automotive drives down the cost of electrification and makes it accessible for us. And I think the reality is, is that it's a good choice to electrify for the environment because the energy is there. The energy is coming from the sun. We can use that. We can harness that now in a cost-effective battery, thanks again to the, you know, the, the, the bus times of automotive and also you know, energy storage. And we're leveraging off that to get a perfect storm for, uh, for all um, RVs to give them the right result when they go off grid. So you know, it's, it, there's multiple inputs and all of them make sense. But again, when we talk about us as being RVs, what we're really trying to say is we, we want the choice to be independent. We want the choice to actually have a, a proper hot shower that comes from the sun. But if we want propane, we can go get it. Or if we want a gas barbecue or propane barbecue, we can still do that. So we're just opening up more choice and more professional choices for you to do more uh, in your in your RVing experience. So that's a, a great example there. So So propane heats very effectively. Uh, whether you're cooking with it or whether you're heating the inside of your cabin. So what what can people expect from all electric trailers? Is are, Can we expect to be able to have heat sources and air conditioning um, powered by batteries in the sun? Yeah, so, it, it, you know, there is a delicate balance. And certainly when you go all electric, uh, you know, contrary to belief, it's not a nuclear power plant. It, it, it has limitations. And I think what it is is that um, once you learn to understand the energy that you you um, you draw in from the sun, you know, comes into your solar panels, it gets funneled through, gets stored in your battery, um, or you can use that solar directly as as you know onto your loads. The reality is, once you learn to balance what comes in and what goes out, you find a good a, a, you know a good working environment. If you put the air conditioner on twenty four hours a day and only have a couple of solar panels, you know, the battery will go flat. So again. Pure solar RVing is more akin to those spring, like you know, spring summer months. You know, probably the more the more volume part of RVing. If you go to Alaska in winter, you're certainly going to struggle. Uh, and the reality is, in, in this current time, uh, with with energy density of batteries and the inability to get uh, um, enough energy from the sun, you need alternatives like diesel heating, which is very effective. Uh, diesel heating, propane heating. Um, or this other technology that we're working on, which is a you know a micro a micro turbine that can run on multi-fuel diesel or you know, A1 or you know anything like that, that allows you to not only generate power but also create heating at the same time and store that in the battery. So you know we're working on different options because we know that 
You know, everyone can bang on about all electric. It's, and it is amazing. We've got many people fully off grid, but the reality is there is limitations and we need to find the right combination in engineering to give them power and heating for those colder months. Or let's be honest, you know, sometimes there's 10 days of really bad weather and you, you, you got to bridge that, right? So what have you all been able to accomplish? What is the reality right now if somebody is uh, purchasing an, an all-electric RV? So again, uh, we've been able to accomplish a lot of milestones, certainly in the Australian market. And, and as you know, Jason, we met in the US and we're launching our products into the US uh, as we speak. Uh, and so I think, you know, when we get down to the actual ability to go um, all-electric, what you can expect is that it's dependent on your solar array. So when when you go all electric, we really work with RV manufacturers to you know declutter that roof. That roof space is your space. And when you buy an RV and that roof is cluttered, you're forever and a day losing power. So you want you want your OEM, you want your manufacturers to have maximized the solar array to it to harness for every day that you purchase that van as much energy as possible. So on a typical you know, 19 foot van, which is quite small. Um, you can go all electric and you can have hot electric hot showers. You can have electric uh, barbecues. Um, you can, in the spring and summer months, do what basically do whatever you want without holding back too much. So air conditioning right through the day. Um, you can do some heating in the morning to take the chill off the air. Um, and as you grow bigger and bigger, so if we choose like a 22 to a 24 foot, there are people in Australia uh, that are indefinitely off-grid and may or may not choose to plug in to give their battery a charge. But those solar arrays and those roofs are working so effectively uh, that, you know, it's not just spring now, right through even the winter months in Australia, and our winters, you know, more mild than the US, these people are successfully um, living living off-grid and choosing to do what they want to do without any sort of compromise. So don't expect in winter to run your conditioner 24 hours a day. Of course, you've got to use some common sense. But... Uh, you know, if it's, you know, 20 degrees Fahrenheit or warmer, then certainly, uh, you know, an all electric 24 foot van will do the majority of what you need it to do and be satisfied. And I think also importantly, never forget, if you run out of or run low on electricity, there's, there's many power points available to charge from, whether it's 15 amp, 30 amp, um, the 50 amp split phase, you can charge from them. So you can always just give it a prop up. Uh, and then get on your way again. So you, you're not always high and dry. You can manage your resources, which is coming from the sun, but you can also give it a, a you know a charge as you as you want. So I think this is where it, it, what you folks have put together gets exciting to me because all of that um, has been you've been able to do that for a while. If you a lot of people are putting in you know a, a, a dozen. 100 amp hour lithium batteries and taking up all sorts of space in their RV to do so with all the charge controllers uh, and monitoring systems and the cabling and everything that goes with that. It's very hard for a manufacturer to spend the time and money to do that and to have the labor to be able to do that. If you go aftermarket and have it done, it can cost you $30,000 and they have to tear up your RV to do it. What you guys have done is built a system that is drop it ready and 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 plug and play. It seems like to me. Uh, tell us all about it. Yeah, look, I I think um, you know the, the concept uh, mentally started eleven years ago, right? I I was out uh, you know, tr- travel trailing around Australia, and uh, you know I, I we needed air conditioning. It was it was very very hot. You couldn't sleep, and so I connected the uh, my car's air conditioning through garbage bags. Did a MacGyver and connected that into the into the trailer to try and keep the trailer cool. And it's at that point that I realised that um, the industry needed to have a more sophisticated power system, uh, and it needed to go uh, have the ability to go all electric to get you away from those you know those fuel resources. And so uh, my background's you know eleven odd years in automotive manufacturing in terms of product and electronic design, HVAC controllers, you know all those electronic bits and pieces and software. And I thought that uh, 11 years ago, it's time for the industry to change. But not that I wanted to change it by getting um, bits of batteries. I wanted to use an automotive sense in that the system is engineered. And I always use the analogy of a vehicle because it's probably the most common that everyone can relate to, is that 
Um, you can certainly achieve amazing results with aftermarket systems. You know, a, a battery from this company and a, an inverter from this company, and you put all these parts together. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. You put it together and you can create a, a, an amazing system. But the analogy is, is that when you jump in your vehicle and you don't even think about it, when you jump in your vehicle, you turn the key and it starts every time. It's, it's unlikely you actually curse the, your vehicle every time. The reality is, is all those engineers who built that motor, all those engineers who built that, that gearbox in the fuel tank, they all spoke together to create an amazingly efficient, lightweight, high-performing system for your vehicle. And when you get in it, it just works every time. And so there's nothing wrong with aftermarket parts, but they're all created by different engineers with different systems. And when you put them together, they will work, but they're not finely tuned. And so we set out to make sure we system engineered from start to finish, from the fuel tank, which is the battery, through to the inverter, through to the 12-volt supply, through to... You know, even, you know, even as much as got a, a cable here, right? Even the cabling from between batteries and, and the inverter itself. Um, every part is engineered by our team and every engineer speaks to each other for the ultimate result in performance and in weight to create a, you know, what you saw. And I think you can sort of see it just there in the picture. Let me just spin it around. Uh, that system there is a complete turnkey, uh, complete turnkey power architecture. Um, and by doing that, we've got a very fine-tuned, uh, lightweight result with the batteries external from your living area. Because re remember, this is this is your RV, and you don't walk into your house and have batteries in your foyer. You don't have the fuse box inside your house. Most of the time, you don't. And so we wanted to get the tech outside of your living space, give that back to you, create a lightweight solution. And the lightweight solution we're pre you know, provided now is very, very efficient at converting solar to, to, to load, uh, very efficient in terms of its weight performance, uh, and the battery performance is using automotive-grade lithium. Uh, so we're using best-in-class you know, power-to-weight ratios uh, to ultimately give you know, what, what I would expect an amazing turnkey result uh, that works in any RV or any travel trailer. I think one of the things I, I learned from you a bit in Elkhart was that uh, I think a lot of people feel uh, a lithium battery is a lithium battery and you might as well buy the the most cost-effective one for you. Um, and that an inverter is an inverter. And uh, But you, uh, you really opened my eyes to how many efficiencies can be gained um, by, by having a system that is uh, really finely tuned, as you just said. And uh, I think that was one of the most exciting things to me is that, you know, the, the idea that you can actually get a little bit more out of a battery, uh, you can get a little bit more out of solar panels uh, if they're designed to work together, um, where you have or you're using the power from the solar directly instead of converting it to battery power, storing it for later and uh, and losing those inverter efficiencies and all that. But this the 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 great thing about what you've done so you said you've got this this giant battery pack right i think you've got two sizes it fits in your it, it goes between the frame rails right correct that's correct yep. yeah so you've you've got this you've got the weight over over your axles uh you've got i i have two i have two 250 amp hour lithium batteries in the, in the pass through of my big 43 foot fifth wheel and it takes up uh, really, honestly, half the pass-through, uh, along with the the inverter charger, in there, and so th that's just a sort of a massive storage savings. And then the the inverter box, I guess. I, what what do you guys call it? Your your actual inverter, because it it's more than an inverter. It's an inverter charger. It's it basically your entire power system minus the batteries, right, in one box. Yeah, that's right. So um, um, we call it DCX. Um, okay. You know. DCX, you know, Ozx Corp Extreme. It's you know, we're engineers, so we're not really good at marketing. But uh, yeah, we call it DCX, and I, and I guess the main thing is that uh, everything that you probably would have ever wanted for power related um, solutions is in that box. Um, we didn't want to compromise on not having uh, certain functions in there. We wanted to make sure that we kept that as neat and tidy as possible to ensure that we did. 99% of all that's required for, for you as a, as a, you know, as an RV, all right? So yeah, D, DCX is the box and um, um, everything's in there. 
And that might scare some people uh, thinking that, you know, that there are more things to go wrong uh, with one unit. But you, you, it's so smart because you just have it clamped to a plate. There's the, the battery cables plug into it. You, if there's a problem, you unplug them and you pull it out and get service. It seems to me like it's easier to service than half of our, our RV electrical systems because half the time, you have to open up a wall to fix something. <laughs> you know, I, 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 there's a wall panel I have to pull out in order to, to get to the, uh, uh, the backside of the control panel in, in my RV. And I think, uh, that's so smart. You've got it. I think you also have it set up too, so that if, if something does go wrong, shore power will still run through it. So you can still plug into shore power power and everything will work. Even if your system goes down. Yeah, I mean that's right, and I, and I think you now there's there's two there's two sides of the story, and one thing for sure, certainly in Australia, is that um, we're extremely remote from anywhere, and so reliability is number one, um, and also uh, there's two parts. You either make sure that the product is absolutely completely robust; it would never break down if you were driving it with a tank, um, which is not reality because things break down. Um, or you keep your system simple. You have a 12-volt battery and have a light globe and a, and a basic inverter, like a 1,000-watt inverter, and you, you keep things simple. But the reality is we're heading down this journey, whether we like it or not, where the electrification side of business is getting more complicated. And we had to make sure that um, not only for the manufacturer that it was easy to put in, not from the battery and the inverter, but you as a consumer need to make sure that you can trust the system, it's reliable, um, it's got good engineering behind it. But if something goes wrong, just like in a, in a well-engineered vehicle, things go wrong, the ability for you to actually just simply unplug. So, you know, I use the analogy plug and play, but, uh, you know, for you to take that box out and we send you a replacement, it would take you three minutes to replace and you put it back in the old box and leave us with the problem. At the end of the day, um, the manufacturer needs a good a good way to put this in. You specifically, and more importantly, need to be able to understand that it's, that it's an amazing engineered product. But when things go wrong, and if they go wrong, we can simply just drop these parts out and put a new part in. So whether it's a service dealer or yourself, and no electrician is required. So you know, we wanted to make sure no electrician was re- required because if you are remote, you're up in Colorado or somewhere remote, you're not calling an electrician up into the hills. You know, the reality is, is that you want to simply go to the post office and maybe just swap this thing out and just plug it back in, right? And if we can keep that analogy and keep that system simple, which it is, then actually your experience is improved. So, you know, at the end of the day, we're not shy to tackle everything from the ground up and from a blank canvas because, you know, we've got the, you know, we've got the privilege of starting with a blank canvas. But ultimately, the result that we're trying to achieve is to make sure that you, that you as an RV are having a, have not just a good experience, but an amazing experience with our system. Um, and that it's, you know, it's simple and easy, it's lightweight and it's compact, uh, and it's engineered by all the same engineers. Well, let's be honest here, this, this type of technology was never going to be widely accepted by the manufacturers, uh, were it not easy to uh, install and where they have the trust that it can be easily maintained, uh, because that that's a big challenge. I mean, the, when you go watch an RV being manufactured, the amount of time and energy spent on putting the electrical systems in is huge. And while I, I assume putting a system like yours in is going to be more costly, you're getting something out of it and the manufacturer's saving a little bit on, on labor as well. So I think it's, 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 it's an important aspect to remember too, that if you go back 15 years ago, an RV was a lot more simplistic and the RV manufacturers, their piece of resistance, their specialty is making an amazing RV that, you know, looks like an apartment and it, it has great fit outs and makes sense for you. But the reality is now in 2022, now we're getting more and more tech put into these platforms as well as the, the, you know, the RV itself. And we're expecting the RV manufacturers to still deliver the same performance, the same warranty, the same integration. But actually you've got really, let's think about it, multiple products from multiple engineers with, you know, sophistication and they've got to warrant this platform. We have to step it back. And the only way we're going to step it back is remove the technology completely and get get the RV back to what it was, or we need to use technology to bring this back into harmonization. And there's a lot of industries trying to do that with RVCs, a can a can communication platform. You know, we have to use technology to, to simplify the manufacturing process. 
Otherwise, manufacturers are just going to, they're going to implode. The reality is they have to implode because they can't keep up with the technology integration. So it's our job to make sure that we make it dead easy for the manufacturer so they can do what they do best, make an amazing RV. But they can't do it all, right? We're expecting too much from our RV manufacturers now. We need to make their life easier. Yeah, I, I want to be clear too. Uh, Andrew isn't here selling us anything because uh, we can't buy his product. Um, the these are, are designed for the manufacturers uh, to take on uh, and and build from the ground up with, which is uh, hopefully going to happen and, and is very exciting to me. I know a lot of the manufacturers are working uh, very diligently on. Uh, it's, it's kind of like one of those things where nobody wants to do something and then somebody does it and then everybody has to compete with it. Uh, uh, there's a lot of reluctance in the in the American RV industry uh, from several of the manufacturers, not all of them. Some of them are very tech forward, but some of them are, are very reluctant to make any change uh, over time. And often we sit 20 years behind the, the rest of the world. But uh but we're going to start seeing your products uh, in RVs soon, I hope. Yeah? Yeah, definitely. So the, the goal is, is, is throughout 2023, uh, certainly behind the curtains, let's say, in tw- early 2023, is that there'll be certainly uh, a good handful of OEMs uh, you know, internally you know, using this product and, and making sure it's fit for purpose in, the, in their solutions. Uh, as we sort of travel through 2023, some might, might declare what they're doing. Some may not. They may leave it all the way through to the dealer show again in September uh, or SEMA. Who, who knows, right? It's it's their choice. I think the more important part is that you know we don't sell aftermarket. We sell only to OEMs. And we've been very specific about that at this point in time because we want to engine, we've engineered our solution and we want to work with our OEMs to engineer that into their product. So we're working as an engineering team. And it's important that when you work closely together, you maximize the result of electrification that's really important you can get the same result by you know just we call it in australia winging it or just you know improvising and getting stuff jammed in but the reality is is that we're working as in with oems to make sure these new uh travel trailers and you know rvs work seamlessly well uh as, as a solution and that's what's happening in the background so while it might seem a little bit quiet there's a lot of leg work being done in the background so when this pops out next year uh, it's a very well-fine-tuned system. And when we say it's going to go electric, the reality is it's it's actually going to go full electric very well. So, uh, yeah, that's that's what's happening in the in the background. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll see that throughout 2023. So talk to me about a little bit further down the road. Uh, we, we all, I think, understand batteries to an extent and the fact that we can um, – run more and more things off of them and hopefully we're going to be able to start running air conditioners off of them more and 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 uh, microwaves and stuff like that um as capacity and efficiencies grows what's the future look like for electrification uh what are what are some of the other technologies that are down the road uh well it it's definitely i would say a, a turning point in this industry now as we turn towards electrification it's not really now about um the, the size of the inverter or, or the battery, you know, they're, they're just tools tools in the toolbox to, be, to electrify. So, you know, the DCX system we have today is all about, you know, like I said at the uh, at the uh, dealer show, you know, this, our smallest battery will run your, your air conditioner all night long. That, that, was the, 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 that was the entry part to our, our, our product. We've then got the 14 kilowatt hour, which can do multiple air conditioners and do, you know, all electric sort of solutions into your RV. But what we're also working on as AusX Corp and, and, and all we work on, we're not distracted by anything, is electrification. So, you know, our roadmap has regen wheels. So as you're driving along, those wheels will regen that energy as you go up and down hills. So that's the first part of our, you know, technology roadmap that grabs that free energy that you would throw away in your brakes and puts it back into your battery for you to ready to use at your campsite. Um, you've also got electric drive. So not only regen, but also driving technology as well. So then it starts to assist more specifically the electric pickup trucks. And, and we've, we've seen all the media about how bad these pickup trucks are towing a, an RV that currently exists. Of course it is because you're dragging a brick through the air and it, it uses a lot of energy, right? So there's going to be a part on the RV manufacturer side that they need to look at aerodynamics. Absolutely. The, the way these things look now will change. They have to change. And it's our job from a technology platform to start to 
um, reduce the burden of the travel, travel trailer from the electric vehicle. But if you're running an ICE car, an internal combustion engine, uh, like a Ram or something like that, our technology helps you save fuel anyway. So whether you're pro-green or pro-electric or you're, 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 you're a nice vehicle, it, it doesn't really matter. We, we need to re-look at the way we pull these travel trailers through, through the air and the way we do that efficiently so that not only you get there with less fuel, because fuel's expensive now, um, but also, you know, look at the carbon footprint that's being created because of it. But also when you turn up to your off-grid park, actually the battery's 100%. So you didn't even need to really, you know, um, try and charge. You would have gathered that on all the lossy parts of your trip. So uh, there's that. There's, um, you know, instantaneous electric hot water, which is a lot you know, more efficient. There's... Um, you know, incinerator toilets. There's uh, all sorts of uh, water regeneration. Actually, is a big one. You can now park, you know, park up with your solar system, and you know we're 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 demonstrating systems now in our electric platforms that have the ability to uh, ex- excuse my metric terminology, but you know, make ninety liters of water a day. Um, so you know, that's 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 a pretty good result to have a shower and and do all the things you need to do and not require lots of water tanks, but just recover that water free of charge from the sun. So when you turn the corner to electrification, this isn't a, this isn't a contest about the big battery or the big inverter. It's it's not even a contest. It's about pivoting to more um, more types of technology to make that experience better. That's the key part. It's it's not a race. It's the ability to turn from what would have been the steam age to the fossil fuel age, from the fossil fuel age now to electrification that opens up our RV experience to be certainly I would say a lot more independent and a lot more enjoyable. I, uh, you're also working on micro turbines, right? Which, to my understanding, is just sort of a, a a better way of generating power through fossil fuels. Yeah. So every time you get on an aircraft, at the very back of the aircraft, you'll see what's called an APU. It's a it's a it's a it's an auxiliary power unit. It's a, it's a generator. We're bringing the same technology into RVs so that you'll have a little APU uh, in, in the in the RV because the reality is we've got to be realist, right? The reality is, is that fossil fuels have an amazing energy density. And at the moment, we don't have that same energy density in, in batteries. It doesn't exist. Um, and also, too, we're going to have cloudy days where we don't have power. And so we, we, we need to create this stepping stone. You know, the next 10 years is a stepping stone of getting away from fossil fuels. But the reality is that they're, they're, they're energy rich. And so an APU, a micro turbine, runs very efficiently. Um, it's, it's actually very quiet. Uh, and you get heating, but also electricity out of the same unit, uh, and it's and it's really a quarter lighter than a piston-driven engine. Um, and as we know, California is banning you know spark ignition as well. So, you know, having a, a very smart APU would the way we see it is that most RVs that are you know that are going off grid or boondocking will require an APU that's very light and cost-effective to bridge those gaps between. Um, no energy or having energy or even complementing the wheels. Well, Andrew Hewitt, this is all very exciting to me. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing your products on RVs next year and, and beyond. Uh, I, I think you've done just a, a really great job of, of balancing the, the needs of customers and, and manufacturers uh, and understand that, that's uh, that difficult, line that needs to be walked uh in order to make this actually happen and uh and i'm excited also to see it uh coming from a third-party manufacturer and not necessarily a an an oem trying to do it all on their own which in the u.s sometimes leads to uh what i call set pieces you know something that is there for you to to buy but not use right um so i'm I'm very excited uh for the work you guys are doing uh at oz x corp or ozx corp if you prefer andrew thanks so much for joining us you know i appreciate it jason thank you and uh yeah let's stay in touch there's a lot more to come along the road man on every road trip there are moments you wish could last forever your kids running into the ocean for the first time that perfect campsite with views that amaze and surprise with every sunrise and sunset Moments you spent time planning and you wish would never end. But like all good adventures, they do. But you know what doesn't have to end? 
your RoadPass Pro membership you use to plan that memory-making vacation. Grab your RoadPass Pro membership today and lock in the $49.99 price for life. This is the last price lock RoadPass will ever feature, so get it now before it's gone. RoadPass Pro has some of our favorite trip planning sites like Campendium and Road Trippers and the Togo RV app. Now, normally I tell you to use RV Miles 10X to get $10 off, but starting November 23rd, 2022, you can use code RVMILES25X, that's all one word, to get $25 off. That's 50% off the current $49.99 price. The folks at RoadPass have extended this offer exclusively to our RV Miles community, and it ends on December 8th. 2022. Save $25 now through December 8th with code RVMILES25X and lock in that price for life. That's RVMILES25X to get $25 off your RoadPass Pro membership. We are back and our thanks to Andrew for sitting down with you and chatting. That was fantastic. I know you guys were on very different time zones. Yes. So <laughs> that took a little bit of scheduling to get that all figured out. So it's really great that he could join us on the show. Uh, but now it is time to check the level of our tanks. Jason, what is in your black tank this week? So I... When you were out of town, oh no! <laughs> I made a, a quick run to Borders because not Borders. Oh my gosh, what year whoa, is this? Whoa. To Barnes and Noble. <laughs> Why don't you just go to Bam while you're at it? <laughs> <laughs> I went to Barnes and Noble to get a new pair of reading glasses because I have the ones I like, and I broke mine. Uh, they didn't have the ones I like, so I got some new ones, and that's a different story. The new ones are fantastic, but what I also got there was a lap desk. And I've been eyeing lap desks for a while uh, in order to be able to like work outside, to sit in the bed and work, put put the laptop on it and that sort of stuff. We've, uh, we've been thinking that they would be great for the kids on travel days and stuff like that. So I finally thought, well, let me try one out. And the selection of lap desks at Barnes & Noble is fantastic i was very they've come a long way with these things right you I, a long way from like a a, a pad with a, a flat surface a pillow that you used to yeah. sit in your lap so this yeah. one's got a wrist rest it's it's got a um a, a spot to use your mouse on a spot to uh, slot for your phone to go in and i absolutely love it i'm not going to recommend this specific one or brand or anything but like i if you're looking for a solution for being able to work in your RV and don't have a great one, uh, a lap desk is a, a really good option, and I'm enjoying using it, and so are the kids. Wow, that feels like the most 40-year-old thing you've ever, <laughs> ever said on the show. <laughs> As I sit here wearing my my poncho... <laughs> I would like to remind you We've that you really, are older than me. I am older than you, and you are very fortunate. <laughs> All right. What is in your black tank this week? My black tank is fuel station trickery. Now, you know, we've traveled the country pretty extensively, been to all kinds of different types of fuel stations. And I've seen a couple things that I've been like, are, is there just something wrong here or are they really trying to trick you? And I'm more, more convinced now that fuel stations are really trying to, trying to trick you. And I put a couple uh, reels, shorts out about, about this. And some people have responded with some other things that have even convinced me a little bit more. So this particular station I was at in Kingman, Arizona, uh, had four different types of gasoline. And... What they did when you put your card in, you know, you put your card in and they say, okay, press the octane button to select mm -hmm. the type of fuel. In uh, this one, pump also had diesel on it too. Uh, but the, the regular fuel, the lowest octane, did not flash and neither did the diesel. The, the two mid-grades and the premium flashed at you. And I was like, this is a subconscious thing, right? They're trying to get you to select the lowest price of the three that are flashing, but it's still not the cheapest fuel. Now, of course, you should be using the octane that is required for your vehicle. Vehicles require different octanes and, and more expensive premium isn't necessarily better uh, for your vehicle if your vehicle requires 
85 or 87. I also learned that 85 octane, I never knew this. Uh, in the mountains, 85 octane is basically the same as 87. So you might see 85 in the high country as the lowest uh, the lowest grade of fuel. Uh, because it it because of the elevation, it is it is the same as getting eighty seven elsewhere. Anyway, uh, but I, we've also seen where sometimes they'll switch up the order of the octane buttons. Uh -huh. So they might have the the eighty seven in the middle and the ninety three on the left and the ninety on the right. You know, and the ninety one on the right. And, at, you know, trying to get people to select the left one uh, when it's premium to pay a little bit more. Uh, that might be different on different pumps at the same station. But we've also seen some people in the comments now talk about how there are some stations that they might advertise a price on the sign. Mm. And then you get in there and it's like, uh, only if you use a certain debit card that is, you know, linked to us. Or we've all yeah. seen, you know, obviously the credit only uh, pricing or, or the cash only pricing, that sort of thing. Um, so you know, there are all these little things to watch out for. So make sure you're getting the right octane when you're at a fuel pump. Uh, and and make sure that you're checking that the station that you're at is you know uh, uh, is priced right within the area. It's okay to you know select the gas company that you like and and pay a few cents more. But but this particular station was also about a dollar cheaper than the one across the street. Uh, so you know there you go. Anyway, what's in your black tank this week? So my black tank goes to campgrounds that offer laundry but don't have change machines on site just drives me absolutely bonkers i so we are at uh here we're in las vegas right now and we are at this massive campground resort here in vegas and there are probably what they call comfort stations there's at least six, seven, eight of them all around outside of the main. And they all feature, you know, showers and restrooms and a laundry room. None of them offer any change whatsoever. There is no change to be found here at this campground. If And they're all quarter machines. So if I, I want to do laundry, I have to go find somewhere that's going to break my 20 and give me some quarters so I can come back and use this. My thought is like, if you can't provide the change machine, then maybe consider purchasing washers and dryers that will take debit cards. Well, what blows my mind about that too is that usually the the machines are rented. Right. And so there's a service that brings them in and they maintain them and all right. that sort of stuff. So the service should be... Uh, well, I mean, you're you're going to have fewer people using them if you don't provide a change machine. I, it just at it just this point, sense. I figure I might as well just go find a laundromat and do it there yeah. because you're gonna it'll to be go cheaper. Out. You're going to have to go out to get quarters anyway. You right. might as well bring the laundry out. Right. So might as well just go get it all done yeah. at once and have take three hours yeah. and wash two weeks worth of laundry and just be done. Rather than go find quarters, come back and walk back and forth numerous times because I refuse to be the person I saw you yesterday in there who took all four of those washers and dryers and only ran three of them at one time and left the other one sitting there for over an hour and a half not using it. Not okay. Don't take all the washers. When you go into there, if there are four and you have a lot of laundry, just take two. Just take two. Like Leave some for other people so that we can all wash our clothes together like it just makes me crazy and we've been in a few private campgrounds recently so you know campground laundry is uh, on my mind a lot what's in your fresh tank <laughs> so i just changed my fresh tank because oh. i know on the fly because as i've been sitting here with you mm. looking at you mm. this whole time mm. i thought to myself at one point mm. oh wow i'm really glad his eyebrows are growing back in <laughs> so my shut up <laughs> <laughs> so my fresh take this week, Jason, is that your <laughs> is that your eyebrows are growing in so nice. They look really lovely as I'm sitting here next to you. You are going to have eyebrows come back in. So congratulations, if, you. <laughs> if you missed this, I I 
every like six months I trim my eyebrows because I get like it's oh. I don't get like caterpillars. What I get is like these wiry individual hairs that stick out in weird directions and bend and kink and it's very strange. It's wild. So every now and then, you know, I'll just when I trim my beard, if I'm trimming my beard, I'll put the uh I'll put you know an attachment long enough on to just zip over my eyebrows and be done with it. And I had too short of an attachment on, and it took off half of one of my eyebrows. Therefore, I needed to match the other eyebrow to it, and it was <laughs> it was not fun. Uh, it was it, it was it wasn't. Um, and I think if you go back and watch like a news video from a few weeks ago, <laughs> you'll see it. Thank goodness he evened him out because he had really flipped that one side. Um, but, you know, if you were concerned or if anyone was that Jason's eyebrows were not going to come in, let us all give thanks on this Thanksgiving holiday that Jason's eyebrows are growing back in. That's it for this week's episode <laughs> of RV Miles. We hope you all had a fantastic Thanksgiving and uh, your prepped for a fantastic holiday season and we'll see you on the next one. <laughs> Bye. Bye.